if anybody listening wants to know the most important thing about um, is recency. In other words, that tops pretty much anything. Hey, my name is Felix Tia, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn how to scale ad spend from $1,000 to $30,000 per month, what is browse abandonment, and why is it important to set up email flows for it, and why recency is the most valuable attribute to know about your customer. Before we get into our show, I want to share a strategy some businesses are using to help manage cash flow during COVID-19. They are selling gift cards. Gift cards give customers a way to support you right now. We've seen some creative ways to market them, like selling gift cards at a discount, giving special offers for customers who've redeemed them in the future, and adding free gift cards to high-value cards as a bonus. As part of Shopify's response to COVID-19, gift cards are now available on all Shopify plans, so you can start selling them right away. Today, I'm joined by Angela and Steve from Felskoon Shoes. Felskoon Shoes sells ethically and sustainably made shoes from South Africa. It was started in 2018 and based out of San Clemente, California, and is a seven-figure brand. Welcome, guys. Hi. How's it going? It's great to see you again. (laughs) Yeah, good to see you. So I gave you guys a one-sentence description of your product and your business, but please tell us more about basically the product, the the shoe itself. Well, so... Feltskin is a shoe that's been around for centuries. Um, So if you are from South Africa or Africa and have ever heard of the term Feltskin, it's a shoe, a type of shoe there. And since Steve is South African, um, I'll let him explain the shoe because he has a lot of history growing up wearing them as a kid. Yes, I grew up, um, as Ange said, in South Africa and... um, you know, loved growing up there. And um, we had um, this pair of shoes that, you know, everybody had a pair and they were um, essentially farmer's shoes. Uh, They come, they go as as far back as um, four or 500 years. The, uh, one of the tribes in South Africa called the Khoisan, the Khoisan tribe, uh, which a lot of people will know as the Bushmen, and they um, they essentially were the ones that first started making these shoes, uh, sort of in a really rudimentary way. So, essentially, you know, we're looking into um, how far that goes back, and it's it's obviously really difficult to get there. But as you can imagine, it goes back, you know. Um, over a thousand years as far as the tribe is concerned, because they're the oldest tribe in South Africa. Um, and then, uh, you know, it, it's just kind of evolved and it's, it's basically a, uh, a, a heritage shoe in South Africa. It's, you know, we hold it very dear to our hearts as far as, um, just who we are as a culture and, and, and a nation. And so, you know, when I, um, when I was in South Africa, end of 2018, I was really kind of looking for something. I I'd learned so much off of, you know, we'd been on Shopify for almost eight years, I'd say, um, maybe six years. And I'd learned so much and I really felt I wanted to do um, something else as well. And I, um, I saw somebody wearing a pair of these shoes and I was like, that'd be so awesome to bring these to, to America because you know, they're such an amazing shoe. And, um, and so here we are. <laughs> yeah. So I think you guys hinted at this, which is that this is now your first, uh, Shopify success story essentially. And you have built this second brand out of necessity. So tell us more about this. Like, why not just double down on what was already working? What made you decide to branch out and diversify? Yeah, so Slide is um, is a seasonal business. So obviously, Slide, if you don't know what it is, it's a handboarding uh, company for body surfing. So our biggest time of the year is just is the summer months. So in those winter months, we have a lot of spare time, and we're we always just use those months to prepare for the summer. And you know, Slide is still running and still successful, but we really wanted to grow, um, you know, 
were growing our family and wanted to support us more. And we, we knew how to do it because the slide it's, you know, we're creating an entirely new market where, um, we, we have the infrastructure of knowing the Shopify in and out since Steve has built and designed and does all the programming and everything for Shopify there. Um, and we knew how to market. We just, we wanted to add something. Yeah, so we wanted a, a yeah, yeah, it was kind of like a, a, a bigger market that we, I, I felt like, you know, I, I'd learned so much and with such a small market, it was very difficult to kind of, um, get everything I knew and make it work as well as I knew I could. Yeah. I think we were like, if we can sell millions of dollars of these tiny little hand boards, yeah. then if we go into a bigger market, that's not so niche then we know we can do really well. And we were able to prove that in our first year of business. Mm, yeah, you'd certainly played the game on hard mode at first by trying to uh, create a whole new market. Let's talk about, um, the, the, again, the, the revelation that you, about choosing a, a new product that you wanted to, to, to bring to market. So what, what made you decide to, I guess, what about the, the shoes that, you, that made you realize that this is an actual business opportunity to import or to bring this kind of cultural element from South Africa to the U.S.? How did you know that basically it would be well-received by Americans or people in the U.S.? Well, the most important thing for me was the story. Yeah. Um, I had a, I had a, you know, it was very dear to my heart. And obviously I'd, I'd grown up with the product myself. And, and um, that was the biggest thing for me. And it's the biggest thing, you know, even looking uh, looking forward to, to you know, if I, if we have to start any other kind of brands would be, that it it has to start with a story and I, and it has to be um you know I want to say authentic yeah. um it's it's an authentic story something that I you know you're sitting there at 12 o'clock working on either your you know your email marketing or your or your website it has you have to have a passion for whatever you're doing and you have to believe in the story that you're telling and for me, this was a no-brainer because it was such a it's such a dear to my heart and so close. And I I it, I also truly believe in the product is just so amazing. It's such a comfortable shoe, and and you know in all our reviews, that's what that's what you what you hear. And I knew that would be something that was you know, would come out in the shoe, not to mention also it's, it's, it's really important for me as a South African, as an expat, um, to want to give back to my, you know, to my, to my home country and, and, um, you know, Feldskin is, you know, we, it's in a, like, like you said, it's ethically produced and it's just sustainable. You know, it's a country with almost 30% unemployment, which is, I mean, I don't even know if a lot of people can get their head around just what kind of an unemployment we, we, um, our factory hires 150 people. Um, most of those people have been with that factory for, you know, 20 odd years. Um, so it's, it's really good to be able to give back to the country that sort of, you know, gave me life, I guess. Yeah. And we were searching for a while for a new product or something that we wanted to do. Steve and I knew we wanted to add something to a, a new brand. Um, and when Steve showed me Feltskin, um, yeah, you immediately like, immediate. And, you know, he was always showing me things. How about this? How about that? And I saw Feltskin. And I'm like, yes. And I could tell immediately that I thought it was something that um, we could do and that I loved as well. And the give back, the give back for uh, for me specifically was was something that was a real draw to that because I could really create jobs um, and do it in a, a really meaningful manner. Yeah, I can certainly see how that can be motivational during the more trying times of of starting a business. So when you were, you mentioned that you were on a lookout for a new product, a new brand to start, and it almost sounded like it was like a gut feel for both of you to to pursue this one. Now, I think as any as any entrepreneur uh, is, we're always a little skeptical. Well, we at least wanted to know quali or quantitatively, is this the right 
product to go with before we sink time, money into it. How were you able to, I guess, uh, validate whether it was going to be a success or not without, you know, obviously dropping everything in and just diving right into the into this new business? So we um, brought over a few hundred pairs of shoes from South Africa and we set up uh, a booth at the Abbot Kinney Festival that September of 2018. And we, Steve and I were... We didn't have not, enough people. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have anything. enough people, just him and I selling the shoes. We constantly had people there um, at our booth. And it was something that we've never had to do before is, you know, Hey, try and choose. Okay. This, uh, and like working out the sizing and everything, it was a crazy and hectic day, but the, um, result of it, we knew it was going to work here. Um, because our, we do have partners in South Africa, um, and they do a great job there, but everyone knows what a felt skin is in South Africa. So it was interesting to see bringing something here to the U.S. Um, how it would how it would be perceived, and it was yeah. perceived I also that think, day. I think as an entrepreneur, you need to have a healthy dose of self belief and stubbornness at the same time, mm-hmm. because um, you know, regardless of us doing that test, I kind of whenever I, it, whenever I have a belief in something, like. If I don't have a belief in something, let me start there. I it's very difficult for for me to get motivated on something. But when I do, I'm like a dog with a bone. I won't let it go. Um, so that was also, you know, a great deal of it. Um, you know, the testing is obviously very important if you don't want to waste your time. But I just I just knew in my heart of hearts that this was this was going to be something that would work. And regardless of that, beyond that, that didn't really matter to me because it was more about, you know, like I said, creating these jobs um, in South Africa and, 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 you know, hopefully making a great brand out of something that was so good and helping so many people over there. So that was that was kind of forefront that the, the market, the t- market testing is obviously really important and I always recommend it. But you really, at a certain point, you've just got to kind of go for it, and mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, let's talk about that. I think I think uh, I think the aspect of belief is super important because sometimes you need that belief to keep yourself going, even or even just get started in the first place. Is that something that you can cultivate, like this belief, or is it just a matter of having the right match between you and the per- type of person you are and the product or the story? Like, how do you do you do you try to do things to basically improve or increase your belief or is it something that you found that you just have to have the right match? That's a difficult question because I I don't really know. I just have it Um, personally. Like if I believe in something, um, I I wouldn't know how somebody else works in their mind. Um, For me, it's, it's just something that, like I said, I'm kind of like a dog with a bone and, and, um, uh, yeah, it's a difficult question to ask. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, with Steve, because he's the designer and he's the one that's... That clear vision, the, you know, yeah. it just kind of comes to you. And I think something he, something a, that doesn't get forced all of a sudden just starts to kind of flow out of you as far as on a design side of things, it just kind of starts to come out. why and, I think the authenticity of the story and what you're doing is so important when you're specifically for e-commerce because you have this great platform to tell your story and this is what people are looking for. Um, and I just think that as long as you have an authentic story that you also believe in, that's going to guide you. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine though, but definitely set up your booth and being able to sell your shoes too certainly will improve that belief. What else did you learn though about selling your product in person that you're able to take with you when you started selling online? That we, that we didn't want to sell in person. Basically. No, that I, I hated selling shoes <laughs> like, in I person. Never, like I don't want to put a shoe on another person's foot myself uh-huh. ever. Again. <laughs> <laughs> like poor shoe salesman, you got like, no. It was um, such a long and grueling day that I was like, okay, online for sure. I don't want to be selling shoes in person. But um, 
the big thing was sizing was a difficult oh, thing figuring yeah. out when you have shoes you know we went from handboards which we've never had exchanges or returns it Emma. they bought it they kept it they loved it um with shoes you know you have this whole different thing because you know everyone's foot is so different so that was a big and a very specific experience. it's a bit like a bed you yeah. know like i mean you're very specific about what you lie on because you're in it you know half your life and and shoes are the opposite you know you're in them half your life the other direction yeah. And so, you know, if somebody doesn't like it, they they immediately send them back. Yeah. And um, it's a very big hurdle to get over as far as shoes are concerned because, you know, obviously we offer free retu- returns and exchanges and it's, um, you know, y- you you get a lot. <laughs> yeah. You have to factor that into your it's pricing um, I mean, and your operations, yeah. which yeah. was a big um learning experience but we had figured it out pretty pretty quickly mm. is there any way to obviously there's a free returns i think it, it makes a lot of sense for any objections that someone might have with buying a shoe online when they're not sure yet about the sizing anything else that you can do in up front before they even make a purchase to improve the or reduce the number of returns due to sizing yeah uh well there's a few things you can do obviously make um you know, technology plays a a big role in that. As far as I know, I know Nike has a has a special fit um, thing that they spent millions on. Obviously, we don't have the money for that. And um, but you can, you know, through our email flows, which is obviously post purchase, just making sure that people understand that when they put the shoe on. Um, that the leather is actually going to, you know, it's, it's whole grain leather, basically, meaning it doesn't, it isn't made up of pieces of, um, separate pieces of material, uh, material or leather. It's, it's a piece of leather that will essentially last a lifetime. And so, um, you know, just to, just to, you know, there is a bit of a break in, um, two to three days of, of, of wear, you know, just making sure that they're aware of that. Well, and I um, think that what's really helped is that our reviews um, have been have grown now. We use yes. What's our review system called? Judge 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 me. And they, you know, having that up there because people look at the reviews and everyone comments on the sizing what they normally wear. Um, and then yeah, so we, we basically let our customers yeah. do the do a lot of the hard heavy lifting for mm-hmm. us. And then we we suggest if they should size up or down. And then um, actually, my aunt does customer service for us, so she's constantly online just helping people as a fit specialist. Um, you know, making sure they get everything right. But yeah, we have a full family um, involved in the <laughs> business. Uh, Angie's dad does all our uh, CPA work and, or not CPA, but accounting. our accounting work. And then um, our aunt, her aunt, who is Aunt Joyce on the actual website, is actually Angie's aunt. And mm-hmm. and then obviously me, myself, and, and Michelle, who has been with us for... Like eight years. Eight years. Yeah. yeah. Eight years now. So very cool. Yeah. Definitely uh epitome of a family run business. Yeah. Uh, so, so you I think I think it's clear that the story behind this behind the, the brand, the story behind the product, the story behind the culture elements of it are super important to to you guys. How do you make sure that this comes across or is clear to your your customers as well? How do you make sure that you are able to communicate this story to them? With a great deal of difficulty at first, Ashley, to be honest, and I give a lot of credit to uh, my friend Joel, who um, is up in Los Angeles. He's actually um, part of our marketing team, and uh, you know he's worked for some. He's worked for Nike and a bunch of. So he he gave us a really you know some. I would go up there for a day, and we would just sit and talk about it, and obviously. You know, I had the passion for it and, and you know, I'd created slide and I knew so it was, you know, I was two steps ahead. But, uh, you know, he definitely helped me take it to another level on, you know, just explaining but not over explaining stuff, which I think, you know, just reams of, of you know, you just really like your copywriting. Um, I think I, I've 
I've taken a step up with it. I, uh, you know, if I don't mind saying so myself. Kind of like less is <laughs> yeah, more. Less is being more, a little and, more simpler, but but um, still getting the the point across because people don't read anymore. They, you know, the imagery, um, is, the key. imagery is key. So um, yeah, that was it, it. It took a lot of effort. I'm not going to lie, and a, a lot of time. Um, but it was fun because it was something I was working on that I truly believed in, which is, which is uh, honestly, like I can't recommend that more. If you're, if you're just doing something for some, for for the sake of doing something, um, I would rethink what you're doing. I would definitely go after something that you truly, truly believe in. And um, you know, it's it's funny when those ideas come because. You know, I didn't I didn't kind of go into exactly how I'd seen Feldskin, but I was sitting with my cousins at a restaurant in um, in a little town in South Africa. And I saw a girl walk past and it was just like a light went off. I was just like, that's it. That that's what I'm doing right there. And it was, you know, I just it, it all just kind of came to have together in my head, like the whole idea, like even I could even visualize the website. So it taken a long time to get to that, to get to that point. But because I had been constantly like me and Angie constantly been talking about wanting to start something new and we were constantly in that sort of frame of mind. Um, you find that it actually comes to you in the strangest ideas. You could be walking down the street and all of a sudden, you know, this idea comes to you. Yeah. And I think, you know, to go back to your question of like how we tell the stories, like Shopify, obviously gives such an amazing platform to make just beautifully designed websites where as Steve, as a designer is able to go in there and just be able to tell our story through the imagery that he's been able to get. Um, and then also I think the other major piece of telling our story is what we do through the follow-up emails, even just post purchase. So um, even if they haven't gone through and read all about us and the history, they're getting that as, you know, the shoes are on the way to them. Um, and then, you know, even, you know, after they get them or when they go back, if they need to exchange it or decide they want to return it. They see the history and everything. And maybe they're like, oh, wait, maybe instead of returning, I just want to exchange or try something else. So we're constantly. Um, able to share that story and yeah, then obviously always, through social media strength, yeah. um you know we, we yeah have that's that story the story as well it, you know um but you know um the the emails are definitely a huge part and i i give a shout out to clavio for that because they're they're amazing they you know just their whole platform is so easy to use and that like i don't get paid for that i just really believe in like what they're doing over there but um you know, just being able to, I, I really get a kick out of um, communicating with our customers through through email. I enjoy I enjoy setting the whole thing up, and it's fun. Yeah, definitely want to talk about the importance of the follow up in a second. Uh, I think when when I ask that question about how do you communicate a brand story, how do you make sure the messaging is right? A lot of times we do think about how is this communicated through written text, but I think you bring up a good point about how the world is evolving, where imagery is so much more important. So tell us about how you are able to, uh, how do you capture the imagery that you want? How do you capture a story that you want through images? Are you working with a photographer? Like, how are you guys actually piecing this together? Well, as as Ange said, um, we have partners in, in South Africa, and I'll, I'll give a big shout out to Nick, who he organizes all of the um, the imagery and, you know, we work together on, you know, I'll just be like, I'll tell him what, you know, more color or like just do fun. And, um, you know, he like they get some great stuff. So we have some very authentic um, pieces that come out of, you know, it, it comes from straight where from the source, straight from the Africa, source. Yeah. So, um, you know, they, they've been producing some fantastic stuff and it's funny, I'll go through old, you know, just old albums, uh, or like, you know, I, I catalog, I'm like meticulous with cataloging our imagery. I put it all onto, um, onto, uh, not Photoshop, uh, Lightroom. And then, you know, I, I pick from there every time and, and, um, you know, I'll go through old pictures and I'm like, that's going to be a great, like, that would be a great, 
you know, banner, banner image. And we change out regularly and I'm always going through, I'll just sit on my phone when Andrew's watching Suits <laughs> and, and I'll go through the imagery and I'm just like, that needs to be changed. That needs to be changed. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of, you've got to, you've really got to obsess over it um, and just, constantly go through it yeah i kind of obsess over it like probably a little bit too much i'm probably going to give myself an early grave but um, (laughs) (laughs) so i I think it's important i think i think i think uh, people i think regarding like uh, keeping your site updated and always testing the imagery out is important what's your thought process like how do you determine whether uh, the site looks good or not basically how do you determine whether you should be changing the design changing imagery out on your on your store's website Look, I'm a big fan of A-B testing. Um, I love the concept. Unfortunately, I just I don't have time um, to do that on a very kind of stringent manner. So a lot of it is, is quite frankly, gut feeling. And I've been doing it for eight years. And I, I, I go with my gut. And, and we've taken our conversion rate from what was a 0.7 to, you know, well over two or three. So it seems to be, it seems to be working. I'm not saying it's the best way. If you have the ability to do AB testing and make that a central part of how you do your, your web design, but I'm just not analytical like that. I'm more feeling I'm a, like, if I like, I, I know when I, you know, I'm a designer by, by, degree in trade and I've been doing it a while. And so it's, it's just something like I know something that fits and I know the story I'm trying to tell. And, um, it, it tends to kind of evolve onto the back end, which is a good conversion. But then it's also important to obviously change it out as the seasons are going and what's going on in the world and what's trending in fashion. Like, so you do have to be on top of it all the time because you know something new is happening every day um and you need to reflect usually you need to reflect that in your in your business yeah Mm. so these partners that you mentioned uh, that that are helping with the imagery are they like photographers like how do you get these like action shots lifestyle shots of the the product so our partners in South Africa um they are they own Feldskin in South Africa and then, so, you know, we've mentioned like felt skin is a type of shoe. So a couple of years ago, um, they realized that no one in South Africa, after all these centuries, ever had actually trademarked felt skin. And so they were like, oh, wow, like that's crazy. So they trademarked the name there. And so when Steve was in South Africa and we're like, oh, let's, you know, let's bring was the first, here. The first question I asked them was like, why, like the TM? And they were like, yeah, nobody had done it. Yeah. And there's, there's, <laughs> you know, there's so many, you can buy so many different types of felt skins and there's a ton of different manufacturers there in South Africa. And so they were brilliant to do that. So when we wanted to bring it to the U.S., we... Obviously, we went to them um, to and work with them to bring yeah, it in, partner, and then yeah. we partnered them with them. And so the content that we're able to get and work with them is that, you know, obviously they're doing it there in South Africa, um, and that's how we're able to get it. Yeah, so they're, yeah. They're, they actually, you know, they own the, the brand in South Africa. And then, um, yeah, so that's how, that's how it works. Got it. Okay, so I want to jump now to the, the follow-up emails that you mentioned, which I think is important because I think the focus for a lot of people, especially when they're starting out, is to how do I get that sale, but not so much how to improve the customer experience after the basically post-purchase. So tell us more about that. Like, What are you sending them after they've made a purchase? Ooh, you should see, uh, see Steve's. Steve's uh, follow email um, flows. They're like the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll narrow it down. Obviously, um, anybody who's familiar with with emails um, will understand flows. But a, a flow is essentially uh, kind of what it sounds like. It's just a flow of emails. And um, you can set up separate flows that target different segments of customers. 
And this is where I think Clavio is by far and above the best is their segmentation. In other words, you can segment somebody who's a, just from the things they do, the amount of time on the site, there's so many different, so much data that, it, it, you know, I, I wouldn't go through it all. But, um, you know, the, obviously our biggest return of, on investment from my time is just building out a, the two most important is a welcome email for anybody. If anytime you sign up to um, our, our email list, um, our newsletter, you get a welcome email of about, I think it's about eight or nine emails. Um, and those are all uh, set up as a flow. So they go out, you know, obviously every two days or whatever. And then um, our abandoned cart has been fantastic. And obviously, if you if you haven't set up an abandoned cart in your email, in your, I mean, it's free money. Um, and another one that I just set up just recently was um, uh, browse abandonment, which I, I, you know, I hadn't really thought about doing too much, um, but I, I just set it up recently and we've already had some fantastic returns on that. So I'm glad I did. Um, but yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. You can, you can set up flows for people who are VIPs, obviously you want to treat those people differently. Um, uh, you know, anybody you who's specific to California yeah. or whatever state it is, you know, if there's snow there and you want to send something out, yeah, so if it's like, yeah, if there's you some, can do any different. Yeah, there's really so much that you can do just based off of, and, um, if anybody listening wants to know the most important thing about, um, is recency. In other words, that tops pretty much anything. And when I say recency, it's it's how recently somebody has done something on your site. So if you can keep that in mind as far as when you're setting up segmentation. In other words, obviously somebody who does who added to cart uh, you know, one day ago is gonna be far more um, lucrative than uh, you know, to to target them than somebody that was, you know, added to cart two months ago. You know, they're not gonna care. Um, so, you know, obviously that, you know, those you really want to keep in mind. Hey, real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now let's get back to the interview. We talked a bit about slot handboards and your success there and how you were able to hit the ground running really with, with the, the with starting a new brand. So tell us more about that. Like how was it to transition from selling something in a completely different industry to a, another one? Like how did you guys make that transition? Honestly, it was the best <laughs> transition. <laughs> Not that like slide. It was just, it was easy. It was I'd learned so much yeah. from, from, you know, I mean, everything I'm talking about with Clavio, I learned doing slide. It was because it came out of necessity. Like if you weren't spot on with slide, you lost the sale because yeah. it was so difficult. Um, and so coming in from, from having sort of six or seven years of experience um, of setting up all the basic things that, I mean, it, it literally, it's, it took me next a, a couple of days to set everything up to perfect everything like that that's obviously a different thing but to set everything up really didn't take that much time you know from you know the google business to to the you know the facebook to all that stuff i i knew the things because i'd just been i'd been pouring over the data mm -hmm. i'd been pouring over this i'd been doing that i'd been trying i like everything um to to get the the, the wheels moving on slide and we did we 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 continue to and still do a fantastic job with slide and it, it you know especially during the summer we just crank but um you know but, like i was saying like uh, andrew was saying during the winter it obviously slows down and so and we already also you know all of our operations are already set so it's really a plug and play for us so like you know we already know what works with you know our shipping and um, our warehouse our marketing you know what apps we use with the shopify what connects like um, it, and now it's just it basically just refining. A, yes. Um, and adjusting to, you know, a completely different, you know, going from the surf market to basically a fashion brand. Yeah. And essentially like what I, I said from the beginning with, with Feldskin was that it was actually an inventory company because if you don't get your inventory right and, you know, we've learned a couple of lessons along the way that yeah. especially with the amount with slide, it's the inventory is not that important, but with, I mean, it's always, it's always important, but with shoes, it's exceptionally important because yeah. if you, if you purchase 
a bunch of sizes that don't sell, you've got a bunch of sizes in stock that are just mm-hmm. going to sit there forever. So it was really important. So that was something that we one, learned. One good lesson that we learned from the beginning was um, regarding inventory is, you know, we were selling well with the black and black and gray. And then, you know, one photo we were using for marketing on the blue was just crushing it. And then we ran out of our blue shoes all of a sudden. So it was like, okay, what's out there for, you know, our ads and stuff. We need to make sure, you know, what's, what we're putting out for ads is what we need to sell. So don't yeah. put something out if we don't have a lot in that color. So And, and it was very interesting. <laughs> it was an eye-opener for me personally too because I, I actually saw we had control over what we what we what were we able to sell out. because, you know, um, which is fantastic and, and all this, this is props go out to Joel at the marketing because, I mean, you know, he, he can – he's just like, give me a great shot and I'll sell that, that type of shoe. So – you know, that was something that we learned really quickly was like, don't put out an, an awesome image of blue shoes if we don't have them in stock. <laughs> if we don't have them in stock, thinking people are just going to choose another color. They're just not. So basically, you're wasting ad spend. So it was very interesting, um, very interesting lesson to learn. Got it. Yeah. Speaking of uh, paid traffic, you had mentioned to us uh, offline that uh, you started with only $1,000 of marketing spend and I've grown it significantly over time. Tell us about that. How, how much have you grown your, your ad spend monthly now? So we're up to about $30,000 in monthly ad spend. Um, and we're growing that every month. So th- that's been the great thing about this business is that we did just start with a thousand dollars and over the past year and a half, just, you know, went from that 1000 of ad spend a month to two, to five, you know, to six, to seven, you know, and just, you know, rolling in the profits of every month into the next. Yeah. Can you talk about how this, how your strategy changes as you scale up at a thousand dollars of ad spend? What are you focusing your, your attention on? What, what is the, the objective at that stage? Uh, I mean, we focus a lot on our um, cost per acquisition. So, we just need to make sure that we're not losing money per per sale of shoes. So you have to remember that, you know, our shoes, they are expensive. They do cost 135 to 179 um, But you have returns, exchanges. Free shipping. Free shipping. Um, and, then, and then obviously acquisition costs and overhead. So all of that comes into play. So we don't, we can't just, we wouldn't be able to have rolled over a thousand dollars into now 30,000 without getting investment, um, without making sure our acquisition costs was at the, at the right price. Um, so that was why we went very slowly with starting at just a thousand dollars was there was a lot of testing going on and tweaking, um, every, I mean, literally every day. Um, our team is, uh, hourly, is tweaking, not every day. Um, yeah, is tweaking that, you know, where our ads are going and what's being seen. Can you speak more to that? I think I think others out there that are that have a thousand dollars, maybe even a thousand dollars a month, would love to be able to get to a point where they're scaling up to thirty thousand a month. Because obviously that means uh, profitably too. So I think that, that that's a, a goal for a lot of people. What, what what is the approach to to test early on to make sure that you are not losing money essentially and that you're not going to end the month with basically in in the red. Yeah. So you need to first figure out all your costs before you know what that cost per acquisition can be. So that was the first thing we did. How much can we spend where we're not losing money? Like what's our goal so that we will have an excess amount of money to roll over into the next month. So we took our average shipping costs, um, with the returns included, the um, and and all those product costs that are associated with that, and said, okay, we need to have um, we our goal to start is to have our um, our average cost. I think we started it was around forty dollars, which is really high, but we're still able to roll that over. And then now this month we're down to fifteen. You know, so it's a 
being able to have that testing and and know where you can be um you know what your max is before you can up your spend don't up your spend if you can't afford it so we went from 40 and then you know the next month we were down to 30 35 and then 30 and as we started getting lower in our average a- acquisition cost that's when we started raising the spend so the lower the cost got then we started raising our spend Something I want to add to that as a caveat is is um, it helps to have a partnership with somebody that you trust to be that knows what they're doing with Facebook. If you want to, there's no way that there's there's every way that you could do it yourself. But the way that we've done it is we partnered with you know, a very good friend of mine who also happened to be a data genius and was able to find the people at the right cost of acquisition. Um, I'm not saying that you can't do this yourself because you can, but it also takes an immense amount of time when you consider the fact that, you know, it's a bit like kind of gambling in that you know, you can throw a thousand dollars down on Facebook and end up with nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to be very careful with it. If you're going to do it, you need to understand the way that the um, that the algorithm works. You need to understand the back end of Facebook advertising. You need to understand data. Um, and if you don't, if you if you have no clue what that is. Um, and you haven't got the next rat, you know, mousetrap, uh, the next best mousetrap, then I would definitely consider like joining up with somebody that can do that. Uh, that's my, that's my, there's like Facebook advertising has evolved to a point now where it's, it's, you can definitely do it yourself. But to, you know, to get those really, it, it takes a lot of time and effort. That's, you know, that's as much as I can, I can add to that. And did you guys partner with somebody from the beginning or was it the early stages done in-house? Well, I'd been friends with Joel probably 10 years. He's probably like one of my best buddies. Um, well, he's my best buddy in, in LA at the moment. And, and um, we had gone for a surf and I was telling him about the shoe because obviously, again, this is, this is where, you know, that passion comes in is I was able to sell him almost immediately. And I wasn't even trying to sell him, to be honest with you. I was just telling him about these shoes and I was wearing a pair. And he was just like, you know, I could see his kind of brain ticking over. And he was like, yeah, let's let's set, set up a meeting. And, uh, you know, we went in and like all, everybody in his office was super stoked on on the um, on the shoes, on the product and on the story. And so like that, that was kind of where it started. And, but Steve did run. Steve did the Facebook ads for us for the first four months. And he was, and he, returns, was yeah. he did well. But. Do would have he been able to get it down to our fifteen dollars while he's still running, you know, all the Clavio and Shopify yeah. updates? I mean, no, I'd never no sleep. way. He, yeah, exactly. Um, it's a lot of work to make sure you know to be a six figure business and run everything perfectly by yourself like that. You need the help and you need experts. Yeah. You do. You need experts. Um, I think, I think that. you need and to, someone you trust. I think, um, to start off with Felix, you need it like really, um, you obviously cannot afford somebody like Joel unless you're willing to give away points and they can believe in your product. Um, if they don't, then you're going to have to buy an agent, you know, you have to gonna go to an agency and, and honestly, like the, the people that, you know, nobody's going to do as good a job as you. So I would definitely, to start off with, to prove your, to prove your market ability or your, or your market, uh, uh, you know, what, what you're going to be selling, I would, I would definitely consider doing it yourself. You just need to, um, learn as much as you can about it and, and be, uh, in, Facebook backend probably three or four times a day, um, just checking and making sure and tweaking and understanding your audiences and all that kind of stuff. And there's a really good um, 
Perpetual Traffic. I don't know if you've heard of it. is a is a really good um, uh, podcast to start with. Um, Molly, somebody or other, but they're they they do a fantastic podcast. There's other podcasts out there as well. I don't know if anybody knows of any other better ones, but um, you know, just to learn the the basics of Facebook, that's a great place to start. God. Okay, so n- now that you have worked with uh, you know experts in this space, have you been able to determine like what has been the winning combination of how to who you should be targeting and what kind of ads to put in front of them? I it honestly it changes uh, weekly um, because you know it, it's like they're trying. If it goes over a certain a certain threshold that we've set, then we 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 just we cut it immediately and start on something new. And this is where I say, you know, Joel is a data genius as far as just going through the reams of data of people that he would expect to to see. Um, we we segment. We our audiences are based off of. Um, uh, locations too um, are really huge for us, and in New York is massive. LA, Oregon, I think, um, and and then the desert desert states are are quite big for us. So, um, you know, we it, it's basically testing, and that's that's Facebook. You know, that's what that's what it's all about. Is, one thing that's testing too one really after the other. working um, before the pandemic is the we were following events, so. And, and geotagging from events, and that worked really well. Yeah, we geotagged a specific. Oh, I, um, you know, because it's a South African shoe, and we're we're all like rugby is a religion to us, and so uh, the Los Angeles uh, Rugby Sevens, which is a tournament that happened um, happened just before the the virus hit, and we geolocate geofenced around that location, and we had our best day we ever. Did. Yeah, we did. I think. Almost fifteen thousand dollars in that one day, with very little ad spend. Interesting. You're like you're like geotargeting where you believe your ideal customers are congregating like in real life. Correct. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're, you're and and you're 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 sending out messages that would be relevant. So when right. they see it come up mm-hmm. on their feed, they see a, a rugby ball and maybe a pair of feltskin. Right. No, you know, maybe like a guy, I don't know, whatever. Like, And then it, our Instagram stories that day are all relevant to that event. And, yeah. you know, so everything between the marketing and advertising fees, it connects to our social media person and they're connected on what event they're targeting and then what content is going up. Yeah, and it um, you know the so that when somebody comes from our if they start to like kind of go around uh, our Instagram feed, it's not like they're coming from a completely different place, right? They're they're like they're like oh okay yeah this is this this is the same brand like they're also into their rugby and stuff so um, you know and we were really excited. Um, you know, for Coachella coming up, um, and then South by Southwest, which of course got cancelled. So you know, that put a spanner in the works. <laughs> got it. So it sounds like you guys obviously have a process down and like a, a team working around growing this business. And you mentioned to us that one of the keys to your success is getting this process up and setting up a team of advisors. Tell us more about that. Like, what? How did you set up a team of advisors for your business? I highly recommend being around people that are smarter than you. Um, And so our advisor, uh, my main advisor, Sam, he, we met him seven years ago. I was in um, a springboard program that Steve and I went through and uh, he just helped us with our financial model. That was his job free, you know, within the springboard and him and I just got along really well. And I think um, he just kept letting me come to him after even the springboard ended. He loves doing it. And, you know, because he's passionate about it. He he was retired. Now he's, you know, he's in his 70s and he just, you know, he works for free. I mean, for the love of it. But so I still meet with him once a month to go over all of our um, P&Ls and balance sheet and just make sure I'm not missing anything. Um, like I, we didn't, neither Steve and I went to business school. So he has been by far 
the most important piece of, you know, our financial success and not having a bunch of debt and be able to grow our business organically um, because I have someone who's, you know, been through, been through. Yeah, well, the minute that COVID-19 hit um, and we knew it was obviously going to be more than just, you know, a couple of shops closed down um, and, you know, we saw the bigger picture coming like a freight train at us. The first person we called was was um, Sam. Was Sam yeah. And he was just like, he just said to us, cash is king. And he's like, just cut, 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 yeah. cut, whatever you don't need um, to get you. All you do, all you need to do is get through this. Yeah. And like, that's a piece of advice uh, for anybody out right. there listening is just advisors like are- well the advisors I'm just saying about the COVID-19 which is is just to get through this mm-hmm. however you can yeah so him and then also things like um, Goldman Sachs has a program called 10,000 small businesses that was something I did this year um, and they set you up with advisors as well you basically for free get to go get similar to like a mini MBA that is run through Babson College um, and they they pay for your school for a semester. Um, that was something that was definitely another um, important piece to just helping, helping us learn um, and grow the business and then, you know, having those connections with people. Um, and then third advisor, my dad, <laughs> he's run, you know, we yeah, brought him in there, as, um, doing our books, but he's had his own multi-million dollar business when he was younger, he was able to retire early. Um, and it's nice to have him around because, um, he comes into the office every day. And if there's an issue, I just, you know, it's nice to have like a sounding board. Definitely makes sense. Yeah, I think that's great advice to surround yourself with people that are, are smarter than you, especially in areas that you might have a weakness. So, Phil Skoon against the brand, I think it's important to spell out the name of the website, V-E-L-D-S-K-O-E-N-S-H-O-E-S.com. Can I, can I just say like what that actually means? Because a lot of people would just be like, it's just a name, but it actually sure. means... Uh, it actually means field shoe. So felt felt is South, Af- is South African is Afrikaans for um, field. Um, and then like if if you ever go to Africa, they'll you know you can go out to the felt, which is which is basically. Yeah, okay. uh, and then skun is uh, shoe. Awesome. So yeah, that's the website. That's the brand. I'll leave you guys with this last question. What do you What do you think is going to be your focus over the next year? I think this is what the second year, so I guess second third year in business. What are you guys going to be focused on? PR. So we are. Um, I, I like to call it phase two. I, I, I thought I sounded very clever when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Phase two is uh, phase one was was um, Joel and marketing and and Facebook paid and marketing. paid marketing. And uh, now we're really starting to tell our story. Tell our story through uh, through PR. So we so we have some fantastic stuff lined up for that. Um, not cheap, but it's, <laughs> nonetheless, it's uh, it's it's going to be fun to do, I think. And uh, yeah, Felix, you're number one on that PR list. All right. <laughs> well, check that off the list then. You guys are well on your way to accomplishing your goal. Thank you so much, Angela and Steve. Thanks, Felix. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.